reason that I'm here is because you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stetka. You can follow us everywhere on socials at Tottenham Depot. This is episode 167, and we quite honestly don't have a whole hell of a lot to talk about, but we've got plenty of people to talk about nothing with. We'll start by throwing out to Caroline. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, I know you had a busy non-Spurs weekend. You you still watch a ton of football, even when Spurs don't play. How was your weekend? of of non-spursdom spursdom gone it's actually been great you know Bayern did not lose shockingly so that was a good start and then i went to the only preseason game for san antonio fc that's open to the public and the vibes were surprisingly good even though the whole fan base has been in like a meltdown all off season so i feel like we might be okay so that's nice and uh, I've been really enjoying the Gold Cup as well. As you all know, um, my wave girlies are getting it done for the U.S. And just enjoying getting to see some of the like rising talent in the region. So, yeah, it's been good. Very well. Dakota is also gracing us with his presence. He is at Dakota J. Booth. Dak, what's up, my friend? You know, just hanging out. Also watching a little bit of uh, football. I have... I couldn't sneak into one Knox's preseason friendly yesterday um, because, you know, I'm like six hours away now, but uh, it ended up in a a fun two, two draw with a team just down the road. So looking forward to many more lower level soccer kicking back off here in the U S you know, in just a couple of weeks, just a few weeks. So that's a good time. Yeah, it is just about that season as the weather starts to warm up. It actually reached 80 here in the Phoenix metro area today. Uh, it is definitely starting to warm up. Spring is nearly springing. Uh, TC is also joining us from uh, parts I, I, mostly known, I think. He's at TC underscore Cachot. TC, what's up, man? Oh, just just over here enjoying, enjoying some mead at the local meadery. And if you don't know, now you know. But uh, yeah, man, uh, I got to got to check out some uh, some quality action this weekend uh, on the football side. I obviously watched the Carabao Cup final that we're come on to. Got to see some club soccer out here in the uh, State Cup action, which was a good time out here in California. And uh, my son and I had a rousing game of uh, Sky Zone Trampoline Park basketball to speak of this weekend as well. So we're we're keeping busy. That sounds extremely painful to me. I would probably tear like four ACLs, and to my knowledge, I only have two of them. Uh, that that sounds that sounds excruciating. But you're a better man than I. Uh, Scott is also with us. He is at Scotchy Bird, and I appreciate him putting at Scotchy Bird up on the screen for me to not screw it up. I don't think I've totally screwed it up screwed it up yet. Like since you changed it about six months ago, but I, I always appreciate the nod. You've been great, man. You've been great. I, I, I figured I would conform for your benefit and throw my Twitter handle up there. It's tough for me to do, but I do it for the people that I love and care about. So you're welcome. Um, 
but yeah, also also a, a fairly fun weekend a week, I should say, of soccer for me. Dynamo kicked off uh, Champions League on Tuesday. Tough result away to St. Louis, but it's just the first leg. So we take a 2-1 deficit back home in leg two and kicked off MLS last night with a, with a draw. Sporting KC, it's just that matchup is always a tough one. You never know what's going to happen. So I, I'll take the draw. Um, most importantly, I promoted Reggio to Serie A this morning in football manager after three consecutive tries. I lost in the playoff final the first year, the semifinals of the playoffs the second year. And for anyone who doesn't know in football manager, losing in the playoffs for promotion is gut-wrenching and it's extremely difficult to find the willpower to pick yourself up, back up and go again through all those hours of, of playing a computer game. Um, but yeah, we got it done this morning. Uh, so, so super excited when we wrap up here to start preparing for what is my first season in Serie A with the, the club that comes from the little town in Southern Italy that my family lives in. So this is all for them. And, and we're going to, we're going to go for it. Hey man, after you uh, win the league, win Serie A, you got to plan a trip over there, do a stadium tour, get to kit, the whole, the whole deal. But I know you're coming arm. too, so you can get yeah, this, yeah. this special treatment. <laughs> Well, they'll they'll have they'll have like a they'll have a parade for him. I mean, he's gonna have to. I would you know, they'll, they'll, they'll put that build. Yeah, a pasta they'll, they'll, buffet and a parade and um, this seafood pasta, right? Because we're we're on the coast. Actually, uh, uh, Regina, I believe, is the name of the town, right? But not Reggio, as the club is called. But Regina is just across that little sliver of water from uh, from the island that um, can't remember the name of the island now. But Palermo's over there. Thank you, Sicily. Yes, oh, I should know that, right? I'm not uh, not doing my family justice, but yeah, just across that little sliver of water from from Sicily and and Regina is like, if if Italy's a boot, it's like the very tip of the big toe of the boot is where my family all lives. So, um, yeah, definitely pasta eating, seafood eating people uh, who who would treat me well and and give me that parade that you guys speak of. I think I deserve nothing less. So. Uh, and again, that's Scott G. Bird for our Italian listeners who want to slander him for uh, not knowing his Italian geography as well as he should. Scott G. Bird, uh, go 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 direct uh, you. your your hatred there, um, guys. There's not, a, as I said, a whole hell of a lot to talk about this week. Uh, Spurs men did not play a game. Spurs women did not play a game. Different circumstances for each. We went over that last week, so we decided to kind of open up the mailbag, uh, take a peek in there. There were a few cobwebs. Um, wasn't sure what I was going to find in there. We, we definitely found some, some stuff, uh, we, which we will get into uh, a little bit, but just a few kind of, I don't know, throwaway things. Um, let's start. I kind of just want to start on Lucas Bergvall. We were just talking about him before we started recording. A lot of highlights of Lucas Bergvall going around on the internet today, um, which are, which have people very excited. It will um, dovetail. Let's have, into take, a- let's have him take it easy, by the way. We're going. Who, oh, who's that? Bergvall? You want Bergvall to take it easy? No, no, no. I want everybody who's 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 absolutely lapping up the demolishing of some poor Polish accountant that was playing center back for the team that he messed up today. Like, if you look at number two, number two is the centerpiece of every single one of those highlights. And that man looks like he's taught physical education and science for about the last 14 years. So, just saying... I love myself some Lucas Bergvall, and he's special when he's moving it, but we're talking about Polish league football players, so let's take it easy. 
this is also a, a per- perfect case of just what we do when there's no football to watch. We <laughs> resort to these kinds of things. And look, I'm fine with it as long as we're not saying, um, you know, that he's going to win a Ballon d'Or. Oh, wait, that's what everybody's saying. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> just just forget it. But but it, they are. Hey, they're fun to watch they're, they're It's cool. As long as, as you said, TC, no one is. um putting carts before horses and and so forth um i guess the other one of the other kind of notes from the week was hugo Lloris offered a, a an interview to the athletic uh made his debut for lafc in a 2-1 victory over seattle sounders todd is uh is is all pumped up because he's he's adopting lafc go ahead tc Sh- shout out hugo Oh, no, no, no. I was pumped up because all of a sudden, somewhere in between the time that he stopped playing for Spurs and that he started playing for LAFC, he learned how to distribute the fucking ball. It was wild. If you actually look at those highlights, the man kicked the ball more than 60 yards on a line at, at the, in, in one kick. Like, it was wild. <laughs> it was wild. And did it more than once, too. It was some special stuff. Now, I don't know if, if MLS is just that shit or if all of a sudden Hugo became that good by comparison. Oh, wait a second. Yes, I do. Uh, anyway, it's exciting to see that Hugo is going to enjoy um, the retirement league out here as much as uh, like Robbie King did when he came. So it's, it's, it's good times all the way around. It'll only be a, a matter of, I imagine, by midseason, he'll probably be the captain of those schlubs. And it'll be fun to watch. Their uniforms are sick and if you want to pay $195 for them. But, yeah, good times. Yeah, I'm good on all of that. I, I, I did flip on the Seattle-LA game yesterday just to see the kits in, in person, in motion. But, honestly, had it on for maybe five minutes and forgot that Hugo was even involved. I wasn't even looking out for him. So, I, that's... um. That that kind of tells you, I guess, a little bit of where Hugo is in my brain. Nothing personal, <laughs> but I've I've moved on to 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 Vicario. You know, I I have I have one question about the Hugo match, and I'm not asking any of you this question. It's completely hypothetical and into the ether. But how in the world did that man distribute the ball so well yesterday? I was floored. Every single pass he pinged all over the park was perfect inch perfect to every single player that he he was looking to go to i saw nothing but passes sprayed 20 to 30 yards out of bounds every time that man had the ball at his feet for spurs so i i'm not coming at hugo Lloris. maybe i'm questioning the water in, in n17 right but he played really well yesterday um and uh, i gotta tip my hat my, my cap to the to the skipper well, you mentioned water i wonder honest to goodness how much of a difference it makes actually playing in England, in the Premier League, where everybody's that fast, and it's usually pissing down rain, and the pitch is usually a soggy mess, and then you come out here to 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 you know what are they Bank in California Stadium or whatever they're calling it these days, and the pitch is immaculate, and it's I mean it looks like a putting green more than it looks like a soccer pitch, and I don't know he he literally he 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 sprayed the ball like I have never seen him do before. Well I said. Know. I honestly, it was like it was like he was playing with training cones, though, Scotty. I mean, I, that might be what it was: is that MLS defenders are that slow that Hugo can just pick people out on the run. I don't know. But everybody knows MLS pitches are you know thirty to fifty yards wider than all the other mm, pitches in the world. That's it. Too right. Well so said. He's got more room to play. Well said. Well said. I honestly, I think Todd is endorsing. English players to come to Major League Soccer. Let's just 
let's continue to, to shift the, the talent and become, you know, the most watchable and exciting league in the world. Todd's a big MLS guy. We know this. Um, Hard pass. And it sounds like not a ringing endorsement for the league. Hard pass. And no, I will not be supporting SDPDFC when they get up and running next year either. Look, I think Caroline and I are, are, are a number one with a bullet MLS haters on this pod. I think Todd joins our club at times as well. Um, but like, I, like I said, I turned the match on briefly yesterday just to see the kits and totally forgot Hugo was playing. So well wishes to him. Hope he learns, keeps learning how to kick the ball properly and uh, love that for him. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, let's let's get into the mailbag, guys, because this is not going to be a, an all-night affair here. Like I said, there's no games to break down, but I do think there's some interesting questions that we got from our listeners across all kinds of social channels. We'll start uh, by throwing it to a question from Ben on Twitter. He asks, what do you attribute Spurs' early success in the fall, and how would you weigh these factors? Talking about, one, a healthy squad, two, Ange's new tactics fitting into the Premier League, and three, the injuries derailing everything after the Chelsea match um, and asking if any of it is just due to teams starting to figure out what Ange is doing tactically. I feel like this has been kind of the main crux of what we've been discussing, not just in the last handful of weeks, but really since the Chelsea match. And I want to give a shout out to uh, my guys from Wheeler Dealer Radio did an appearance on their pod earlier this week. And we talked a lot about that specifically in a lot of people asking for Ange to change things tactically, um, show a little more pragmatism at times, those kinds of just buzzwords that, that, that get thrown around. Caroline, how, where do you weigh these factors? I think they all, you know, if you're, if you're putting blame pie out there and cutting it into slices, every, every one of these things is going to get a certain amount of the pie, but how much of the pie is going to, you know, just the health of the squad or new tactics being implemented by a new manager or the rest of the league catching up? Where are you with all of that? I actually think we can kind of tie this back to Hugo's revitalization in MLS because, you know, in that athletic piece that he just did, you know, the interview, he talked about the fact that things had really just gone so stale at Spurs. And he talked about how it was hard to just, you know, pick yourself back up to go again after coming so close so many times and feeling like you just didn't have the energy to get that final push, basically. Um, at least not with the squad that they had at the time, the managers. Um, so really, to me, it's 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 not so much about any of those factors as it is about Ange coming in and just giving the players a new lease on life, basically. <laughs> Um, you know, it, I, I think it can sound kind of like woo-woo to, to say that vibes play such an important factor, but they kind of do at times. Um, I think it was pretty clear to see just in the way the players were playing with more freedom, like with a smile on their face, the celebrations we would see after goals, um, the new leadership group, you know, just bringing a new kind of style to their leadership approach. Um, I think those were all really the things that helped us get off to such a big start. And it, it's not so much now that we're, I mean, we kind of talked about this on the last pod. I don't think it's as dire as some fans have made it out to be uh, the current situation. I think it's really just a matter of we're in the middle of the season, some fatigue is setting in, um, you know, 
people are still coming back from injuries. People are not quite back at their top form yet. So it's, to me, it's, it's, we can get back to that place where we were earlier in the season. I think it's just going to take maybe a few more weeks for everybody to get back on the same page. Yeah. I think to what you're speaking about in terms of the, the dire situation, I think that that again, and we have talked about this a lot on pods. I, I don't mean to be repetitive, but we talk a lot about just reaction and expectation in terms of a fan base. And I think that people still kind of fail to grasp the fact that this is year one of a rebuild. It feels like it's year four of a rebuild because we've been, we feel like we've been rebuilding over and over again. But every time that button gets hit reset with a new manager in place, it really does get you know reset. And we weren't really rebuilding over the last few years. This is the start of a rebuild that we were supposed to be doing in the wake of Pochettino leaving the club. And instead we excuse the phrase, but dicked around with three other managers. And like, this is where, this is where it's put us four or five years later. And now that Angie's in place, I feel like year one, it's year one of a, at least I think three year project for him. You have to give him the time to implement and all the things that we've seen Dakota kind of on the, the cursory scales of this club in terms of recruitment and a plan and to Caroline's point vibes, like, everything does feel like it's going in the right direction. So I don't see how you panic about it. Yeah. It's hard for me to get in that boat too. Um, I've, I, I think I'm in, I kind of have to stick to these guns a little bit harder than most people because I've kind of been building like, this is, this is what we're doing. And for like three years now, and we're finally doing it. So if there was ever a ship that I have to go down with, it's, it's this one. Uh, but luckily it's sailing right along. It's pretty smooth and maybe even better than I had imagined it. We're 25 games into the season and we've got 47 points. That's 1.88 game points per game, uh, which would put us at 71.44. So we'll round down to 71 points at the end of the season, which last season was good enough for fourth season before fourth season for that third even for that third. So we're like, we're right there. And like you said, this is year one and we're already kind of seeing these results. Perhaps it's because of this quote unquote new style, which is not really all that new. We're see, we've seen a lot of this stuff from Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta already. Like no, nothing of this is revolutionary what Ange is bringing in, but it's a fresh perspective. It's a fresh voice. There are fresh faces in the locker room. A lot of them are really young, too. You know, we've got Sonny at 30. We've got Ben Davis at 30. And then there's a, a group at 27, 28 years old. And then everybody else is 25 and younger. So we're, you know, the, the ball has just gotten rolled down the hill. And we're going to pick up some important pieces along the way. And I think we're going to accomplish some really good things. And I think we can already see that seven, eight months into this project. Yeah, I don't think that the injuries and the lack of availability of our squad for uh, a myriad of reasons can, can be overstated. And starting from, I mean, preseason when Avon Perisic went down, the guy that we were expecting to come off of the bench from the left wing and provide all of those crosses into the box. And then his backup goes down. 
and in <laughs> manner Solomon, and we haven't seen that guy since he tore a meniscus. So when you look at that, and then you look at the Chelsea match in all of the uh, unavailable players for the variety of reasons after that, then you look at all of the uh, international football responsibilities for all of these players. Then you look at more, you know, the, the, the second half of the season fatigue injuries that start coming through with Poro and Odagi and all of these folks. Like, there has never been a point in time in this first season of Ange's rebuild where he has had his entire team at his disposal. So to, to speak on the success that we've had to this point in time, especially that hot start, especially the fact that we're on track to get those 71 points and, and fourth, probably fifth is good enough for Champions League this year, but fourth will definitely get us where we need to be. I don't know that you can ask for more than what we've gotten from Ange from this year with this squad. And the biggest shout in the entire world to Johan Lange and our guy Paratici behind the scenes, just saying, we, we know. If you know, you know. Um, realistically, building from youth and building from savvy. When you look at the deals and the way that they're done and when they're done, everybody who knows me knows that timing is everything in life to me. And if you look at the timing of the deals that we've been able to pull off in order to solidify the foundation for this squad going forward, it's masterful. So between the young guys and the deals like the Timo Werners and the Richarlishans and the Ashley Phillipses of the world, where we're taking full advantage, and to Dak's point, we may come on to somebody else who might find us uh, find themselves in a Spurs uniform because of a, a very similar situation from Wolverhampton. Um, you know, we've been making very solid, savvy moves, Andrew, to make this more than just one thing, to make this more than just a one-year project. And that's exciting. Todd, I got real excited. I thought you were talking about Paula Dybala. You stop that right now. You stop it. <laughs> He's, he, we're never talking about Paula Dybala when it comes to a transfer at Spurs. Um, Scott, I, I want to, I like, twist the question and, and – and tie in another question because I think that this panic is it's a very I think it's a very English thing and I and I say that as an American not fully knowing what I'm talking about and I just want to say that right off the bat but it feels like a very English somebody thing. somebody clip panic. that up yeah yeah <laughs> it, it it feels like a very English thing to panic when your team has lost a couple of matches we got another question on Twitter from Sean and I'm not digging out Sean. Sean's a great listener and he's got, I'm going to bring up Sean's name again. because He's got another great question later, but Sean asked a question. Does Ange survive a heavy shellacking by Arsenal in the forthcoming North London Derby? I worry given social media reaction to our wolves match that the wobbly owners will panic. And when I read this, I thought, Oh God, I I didn't realize we played Arsenal. in so in, in such few games, and then I did a double take and I said, wait, we don't play Arsenal until April. There's like nine or ten games between now and then, and why are we going to flip the fucking table over? Well, and that's why I'm daintily trying to walk around, like both needling Sean a little bit for the panic, but also like this is where we are, Scotty. Like folks just freak out about what might happen down the road rather than watching it. But like we we try to take a little bit of a more measured stance most of the time here. Yeah, we have some hot takes occasionally, but like. I feel like we as a Tottenham Depot collective try to 
take things as we see them, take things as they come, analyze them, think about them in a, in a sensible way. I had not even thought about the next Arsenal match because I'm thinking about the Crystal Palace match. That's what's next. And for me, it's like, I don't know why we would thinking about be thinking about sacking the manager with three games left in the season after a loss to Arsenal. Like none of that makes any sense to me when we're talking about year one of a project. Yeah. Well, the answer to the, that question is short and sweet and, it, and it's no. Right. But I, I think I, well, I say that not in jest towards the, the question or the person who asked it at all, but just to paint the picture that there, no, the, there is absolutely no, no, uh, um, sense of the idea that Ange would be in trouble. Ange is fine. Ange is fine for quite some time, in my opinion. I, I think the biggest thing we have to look at with the situation with Postacoglu is actually can be tied back to Hugo's interview. And so we'll go all the way back to MLS again for you, Andrew. But if if you if you look at if you look at that interview, Hugo says that they won early and exceeded their expectations. Essentially, right? I'm very much paraphrasing here, but. Success came much quicker than the club had 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 anticipated, um, and it, it tracks. I mean, we've talked about this on shows. I've talked about it on podcasts way back in the day. When you bring Pochettino in, you know that you're going into this new stadium. You know that you're going to walk out of White Hart Lane. You know you have no money to spend. You bring in a guy who doesn't care if players come in because he favors his own guys to a fault all the time, right? Um, and you bring a guy that works really well with young talent and brings them up through the system. We saw it at Southampton. We saw it at Espanol. Um, then Pochettino won and won and won and won. And the club found themselves in a situation where they had to be competitive in the Champions League. They didn't expect that, right? Um, if you look at where we were at when Pochettino got sacked, having gone into a new stadium, everything we were up against financially – we were right about where you'd expect a team like that to be that that's going into a new stadium and has no money to spend. Right. Um, we sacked him. The club learned a lesson, right? I think now the fans need to learn a lesson. Like we cannot repeat that, that same mentality. Right. I don't think the club would, would repeat the same mistake, but as fans, we cannot have that repetitive mentality that we have to win right now. Because again, if you look at, if you, if you look at the two teams since Pochettino's reign, that have been better than us consistently it's Liverpool and it's city. And that's really it, right? You've got, you've got some odd FA cups from the arsenal and some odd FA cups from man United and whatever, right? I'd love to have some of those. I don't mean to make light of them, but Liverpool and city are the only two teams who have been better than us since the Pochettino days. And I mean, consistently, right? There's been times where we were shit um, times where we were better than those guys, but they've got Klopp who's built a wonderful thing over the past eight years that we saw today. I mean, I honestly teared up watching how happy that man was to win the league cup today. You, you could just see him soaking it all in. Right. And they've built that they they've earned that they deserve it. City has earned and deserved nothing, but they are there because of their financial prowess, not even prowess. They're just financial. That's a prowess is not the right word. Right. There's no acumen there. They just have lots of money. Crime. Right? So, the word yes, is crime. Thank you. <laughs> because of their financial crimes. <laughs> they are there with Liverpool, right? So hang my hat on the fact that there's only been two be teams that are better than us in that six, seven-year period in the two best teams, in, maybe of all time ever, right, in Liverpool and Man City. So um, the Barcelonas and, uh, uh, you know, un under, under the, the pep days are going to have something to say about that, but everybody understands my point. 
we were right there. We didn't even deserve to be. Let's learn from that. Let's let Ange do what Klopp did at Liverpool, right? Because he's very much willing to do that if we let him do that. Klopp finished like eighth in his first season at Liverpool, I think. Maybe seventh. So fact check me if you're interested, but I believe it was eighth place. So we just need to be patient. We need to learn from our Pochettino experiment, right? Um, and just slow down a little bit is the best the best advice that I could give anyone who's interested in getting worked up about this kind of stuff. And, and again, all fact checks sent to Scott G. Bird. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And Go ahead. As evidenced uh, today, if Pochettino wasn't so stinky in finals, maybe we're maybe we're right there, you know, with some silverware in our more recent silverware well, so, cabinet and these he, these conversations are moot. Can we talk about the countless semifinals you shot the batting? I'm just saying. Well, but honestly, I, I think the fact that Pochettino got that close to winning a trophy in his first year with a Premier League team that is not Spurs was kind of putting the Spurs fandom on edge a little bit. Um, yeah. And I think Scott is right that we just really, as fans, have to work through some of our trust issues with the club. <laughs> because, I mean, genuinely, I think we've seen enough evidence for me to feel like I'm starting to feel like I can trust them to make good decisions. I, I mean, obviously, I think Ange was the right decision. And I think our scouting has really been pretty impeccable um, over the last season. So I, I get where the spirit of this question was coming from because there is, you know, a long history of the board making really dumb decisions. So we, but I think you're right, Andrew, it, it would be way too late in the season to even think about letting Ange go at that moment, even if it was a horrible loss, which I, I really don't think it will be because I think in April, we're going to be pretty close to back to full strength and, you know, we'll have had that much more time to work with the tactics and, yeah, I'm I'm not feeling worried about that fixture at all. Todd, you talked about the amount of semifinals that Pochettino played in. Let's talk about the amount of finals that we've been in. Like these numbers are a couple of years old, but in the 20 years prior to to Enoch and Daniel Levy taking over, to the 20 years after, Spurs played in the exact same number of finals. The exact same number of finals in the in the 20 years prior and the 20 years after. So, and, you know, obviously we won, I think, I think it's the numbers five less trophies, but we had the same amount of opportunities. So, you know, there's lots of reasons those can come, can come down to, but I think it's kind of, I think it does the club a disservice uh, in the end to, to not recognize the work that's been putting in. And now with all the FFP stuff on the horizon, we're set up arguably better than any, any club in Europe to, to stay right where we are and to take advantage of those, those rules and, um, you know, keep heading forward. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. Uh, let's go on to a question from, this is coming from not social media, but mostly from a group of people uh, in a group chat with Dakota. So maybe we'll, we'll let Dakota jump on this one first. Um, and it also relates to Liverpool in the Carabao cup final. It says, with Liverpool playing a bunch of 12-year-olds in a final, should this encourage Ange <laughs> to give our youth a chance? And a, an add-on from someone else in that same group chat, because Ange refuses to play our youth, where should they go out on loan? Speaking specifically about Dorrington and Donnelly. Uh, Dakota, you want to handle that one for us? Uh, I mean, I can, I can start. 
uh, I feel really, really lucky uh, that you guys are on my side with this because my head hurts uh, sometimes when having this conversation. Because re I really what it comes down to, I think, is a preference for for where you see your kids come from and how quickly they get integrated. And the answer is different based on club and based on uh, players and availabilities and all that stuff. So I don't think that there is a single instance this whole season that our youth should have been on the pitch. Uh, in the cup games, we got drawn against tougher competition. You're not going to try out. Uh, you know, Dorrington or Donley in the starting lineup playing against Premier League opposition. And not only that, Ange got like plenty of stick for the team he sent out in that match because it was a heavily rotated side after only a couple of matches. And obviously it didn't right. go well. Right. The side, so, the side played okay. If we remember that match, Fraser Forrester looked like a robot in gold during the shootout. And that's correct. And it was, it was, it was a draw on an away ground in, a, in the Premier League. Like it wasn't terrible, but he still got a lot of stick for all the rotation, which is to say, if to say there should be more is kind of crazy. Sorry, Dakota. Go ahead. For sure. No, I, I think honestly, and this is not going to be a surprise to anyone, maybe hearing it from me as big of a fan of this guy as I am. The only argument that there is maybe for a youth player to have gotten some minutes is over Brian Hill. Brian Hill has played 189 minutes all season, and he's only playing because Ivan Perisic and uh, Manor Solomon have been injured. And he came in, he, though, he was playing because we couldn't get Timo Werner in because there was a transfer window wasn't open. So, there, there's no reason, like, you're not going to trot out Alfie Dorrington or even Ashley Phillips, in, in, for that matter, over even over Emerson Royale at center back. It's just not going to happen. I know Ashley Phillips is playing well in the championship, and I'm really happy for that, and I hope he can come in and be in the first-team squad next year. But he's playing against championship-level competition as an 18-year-old. He's not ready to go out into the Premier League and play against – well, Manchester City and this is Wolves not football manager. All these bro. guys, it, it does not work that way. Yeah, on and, and I think something that we have to think about here too is this is all coming from the perspective of Liverpool pumping out nineteen-year-olds in Cup finals and stuff. There's in a year system, nine. exactly. That, there's a there's a there's a system that we just discussed that Klopp has in, implemented, right? Like these guys that that people are asking to get minutes are are new to the club which has a new manager playing a new system. Like it is a recipe for fucking disaster. It is not anything remotely close to apples to apples. If we look at Liverpool, um, if, if you send any of these guys out and they just get absolutely tub thumped, which they will for sure. Their, their career is, is going to, to be impacted by that. I was going to say dive or, or plateau. That's a little aggressive, but their growth, their mentality may maybe is the better word, which is 80% of being a professional athlete. We all know this, right? There's a lot of people who are super athletic that didn't have the, the mental makeup to, to make it as far as some of these guys do. You can't shit all over a guy's mentality at 18 years old in the premier league and ask him to go do what Romero and Van Deven do. Right. It just doesn't make sense. And that's why, you know, we're fortunate that a lot of fans aren't selecting the the 11 on week weekends for sure 
I vote to bring back the phrase tub thumping immediately. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. You're welcome, man. Great, great. Is that a band or a song? Shout out, no, that was the song by Chumba Wumba. Chumba Wumba. I get yeah. up again. Yeah. Can I get up again? Yeah, there you You're go. Never but get me but Chumba Wumba. All right, we don't want to. We don't want to pay for the rights, Scott. That's all you can sing. Sorry, <laughs> Caroline. What do you got on this? Uh, I just want to piggyback a little bit off what Scott said because I think another thing that doesn't get considered enough in this conversation about you know giving youth significant minutes is that there, there are quite a few cautionary tales across, across, you know, European football, let alone world football of players who, who did play heavy minutes early in their career and, and really just burned out quickly. Um, and I, I think the mental side of it is part of it for sure. But I think also just physically, like it, it, it can lead to overuse injuries really early in a career at a point where players can't really afford to have, you know, those kind of serious long-term injuries. So I think that's something to keep in mind also. Um, and actually, when we were talking about this the other day, I can't remember which one of y'all said this, but um, someone pointed out that we have really the youngest squad we've had in a long time. So maybe it's not literal children. <laughs> they're just sitting, <laughs> sending out on the pitch. But, you know, it's we do have a younger side at this point, And you can see that reflected in our playing style. So I don't feel like there's really too much to complain about on that front. And yeah, we talked I, 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 about Lucas Bergball at the start of this episode. You know, we've got him coming in. We've got the, the Croatian guy whose name I'm blanking on at the moment. You know, we've got a lot of talent coming through the pipeline who have a really clear path to the first team, I would say. So there's, there's, there's good things to come to come. For sure. All right. uh, like I can summarize this like pretty simply and maybe i'm off base again maybe i'm just a dumb american thinking about like how the english look at this but like for me people saw what what happened under pochettino pochettino was more willing to play you know pros prospects if you will like products that came through the ranks and it took him a few years to build out that system then we went to a couple managers who we knew were not willing to do that and maybe there's just a longing for that but we have to continually remind ourselves we are in month like what seven or eight now of Ange. Like this is still so early. It feels like Ange has been at, at this club, I think, for longer than he actually has because of the vibes that he's brought, because of the 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 situation that he's come into and really changed just in terms of, again, vibes and spirit and ethos. And so maybe we want to see a little bit more of that, but it, I think it'll come. I think if we give this another year or two, you're going to see, start to see the, the likes of 18 and 19 year olds burst into this first team and make an impact at times, kind of like you do at Liverpool. We, we have to remember that Jurgen Klopp has had many years to implement this and have this program like at his beck and call and have these kids come through and make an impact in his system. So it's well, important also, to recognize that this is still early days. Also, hold on a fucking second, y'all. How old is Destiny Udogi? How old is yes, exactly. Sar, Right? How old is <clears throat> Brennan Johnson? Like, what are we talking yep. about right now? Yep. All these guys good. are. You're right. All these guys are very young. Yes. Yeah, the, the point you is, know, An, go ahead, Ange, yeah, has shown if you, Ange has shown if you're good enough, you'll play. Doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, so him watching these guys in training and watching their under 23s, under 21s matches and still choosing Brian Heel over Iago Santiago to be his winger on the bench tells me everything that I need to know. Yeah, I would just add, too, that, you know, for anyone who is feeling concerned about 
lack of opportunities for the youth players. Just look at what's happening in the academy right now. You can clearly see that the philosophy that Ange is trying to implement in the senior team is diffusing down into the academy squads. Like, look at the highlights from their cup game that they just played at the main stadium. I mean, it's it's great football. So it's they are going to have their moment. It's just they need a little more time in the oven. That sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and it's going to come. Like, Mikey Moore is going to be on a first-team bench next summer or ne- next year, and he's going to be 17 years old. And, you know, I, I think Alfie Devine might take another loan. Uh, he had a, a kind of a rocky start, and hope he, hopefully he's finding his feet now. But these guys are going to get their opportunities. It's just not – right now is not the time. All right, guys, let's fire through a couple more of these mailbag questions. Um, this I thought was an interesting one from Born to Lose on Instagram. If you were to get your money back or even do better in an offer for Richarlison this summer, would you take it? I, I can tell TC wants to jump on and in on this one right away. Well, shout out to my guy, Born to Lose, for uh, throwing in a com. We greatly appreciate the question. Um, 100%. What are we talking about right now? I absolutely, absolutely cash in and feel like we can do better than that. And the only reason why I say that is because I feel like we're seeing Pete Richarlison. If you're going to tell me in another point in time that Richarlison is going to score, score 10 goals in nine games on the bounce, I, 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 I would take the under on that bet, Andrew. Uh, and, and so what I'm saying is if we've seen peak Richarlison and this is what he's gotten us, keep it moving and let's reinvest. We've already got Belize out at Sevilla. We've already got Timo Werner. We've already got Sun. We've got plenty of people that we can rotate in the middle, especially if we're able to bring somebody in uh, on the wing. Like, I think it gives us a lot more opportunity. Yeah. Give me my 60 million pounds back and I'm going to go spend it on Pedronetto. Hopefully not all of it. No, uh, yeah, that's what Wolves is asking for, though. And even they're if they're asking, asking for all of it, I, dude, I would do a Pedro Neto Richarlison straight swap right now. Yeah, give it to me. Well, that kind of depends on are we treating Richarlison as a winger again? Like, I don't. I, I feel like we had kind of decided he was he was mostly a striker. So no, that's where a, my confusion comes from. Dollar. Yeah, he's a 60 million pound entity. Pedro Neto is left footed, can play <laughs> on both wings, and allows us the flexibility to move Timo Werner's son and Kulisevsky to three different spots in the offense. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, I would, I would value the uh, versatility there, I think. I like Richarlison, but if you can get your money back for him, I'm taking that and just splashing it wherever else is needed. Um, I, I kind of agree with you guys. I, I, I like the I like the ethos that Richarlison has brought. I don't always love the production, even though to Todd's point, he did just go through a run when Sonny was out of like scoring what was it, ten and nine or something like that, or nine and ten. Like he's he does have those runs in him, but that is to Todd's point, that is peak Richarlison. And you're gonna get that over a run probably during a season. But other than that, it's, you know, I don't know where it's going to go, Scott. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I would ask um, to play some sort of devil's advocate to the the fair consensus that you maybe take that money is if we remove, you know, our idea of how much money we have and how much money we need and how much things cost, which is not our job as fans, right. 
do you vow do you then value Richarlison? I do for sure. Um, I think we talked about it on the last couple of shows. When Sun comes back into the eleven, everything shifts. The focal point shifts up top, right? He takes a lot of attention away from from you, and that can be good as a striker. But you also need play to come through you as a striker, right? At times, and it's not going to as much with Sun. So I think Sun coming back, or maybe say Sun not being there, definitely played into his form and the amount of goals that he scored without a question. And maybe for that reason, I love having Richarlison around, even if it's off the bench. He's a really good dude with a super level head on his shoulders, right? Um, which he has been vocal about working on through therapy and and the like. So. Yeah, I, I value Richarlison at the club without a doubt. And so, again, if we remove this idea that we as fans like to play around with, how much money do we have, need, want, et cetera, maybe we look at this differently too. Fair enough. I think that's a really fair devil's advocate role to play. And, again, I I, I would ask how satisfied Richarlison would be coming off the bench regularly unless he could go somewhere else and get more regular starting minutes. And That's always the question that you have to ask with a player accepting a role like that, but – uh, I think that's a fair point. Let's go back to Sean for, I, I said I was going to shout him out. This, this this is actually a meaningful question to me. And it's one that I it, it I had to pause on because my immediate reaction was, well, of course, but then I had to pause on it and think about it. And he asks really simply, is the women's team better post the January transfer market? And Caroline, we'll, we'll start with you on this. I, I think so, but also it, the question made me hesitate even with my own thinking about it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to kind of hedge and say yes and no because I think a few of our new signings maybe are getting more starting minutes than we expected them to immediately. And that's because A, Ash Neville is injured and B, Angrad James abruptly left the club. So we've got both of our new fullbacks starting game in and game out and that was a bit of a surprise. Not that I think they've done poorly, um, but they just it's been a, a very different kind of dimension and we've kind of had to work around and into that so that's been a little strange and then you know Matilda Vinbear she's not the finished product at this point like she's a very young player so I think we like her as an option off the bench but she's not like immediately made us better I would say and with Shuang Wang we we kind of just don't know <laughs> um, she's had not as much minutes as the others because she came in with an injury but I think she shows a lot of promise. So it's it's kind of a tricky thing. But I, I think really to me, while I think the signings have done a pretty good job overall, I have found myself missing some of those, you know, sort of mainstays that we had from the beginning of the season. Um, like, the you know, Ash that I just mentioned, who's injured. We were missing Olga for a while. Um, yeah, I just feel like we're, we're definitely like on the men's side in a rebuild and it's going to take time for all of the pieces to come together. But I do think there's a lot of potential with the squad that we have. It's the adding of the depth that I think gives them the edge Dakota and like, like adding that depth that is to Caroline's point, being forced to play a little bit earlier than perhaps expected and maybe still learning a system on the fly is what we've seen. But I think from a depth standpoint, yes, it's an improvement, but, like Caroline also said, still, still a long ways to go. Yeah. I mean, I feel like since the summer, we've been having these conversations about the men's team that are the same for the women's team and the women's team that are the same 
from the men's team. So uh, in a very similar sense as to where we were kind of middle of the first part of the season with the men, we've got people thrown in because of injuries and such, and we've got to give time for that to happen. Uh, it seems like we've got some players that are starting to come, come around in form. We've seen Jess Naz with some good performances recently, hopefully kind of on the up and up, um, you know, Martha Thomas is still scoring goals. Uh, we've seen uh, Celine Bizet score some goals. And Caroline, what do we have to do uh, to sign Grace Clinton for forever? Does like does every Spurs fan on Twitter need to like pitch in a dollar or something? Because like I I'm willing to give my own money at this point just to make sure that she doesn't wear another shirt for at least the next few years. Uh, first England goal the other day after getting slated for why is she even in the starting lineup? Like, cause she's a good player. You guys, that's why. Yeah, actually I didn't hear any of that slander and that's really surprising to me that anyone would be upset about her getting a start. Cause she's clearly, you know, a rising talent not just at Spurs at the moment, but also for England. So, you know, congrats to her for getting that first goal. But yeah, I think we may have to start a GoFundMe, but also <laughs> I think we need Mark Skinner to stay in charge at United because I think he is the kind of manager that players want to get away from, <laughs> like just to mm. put it bluntly. We've seen it, at you know, not just at United, his current club, but also the Orlando Pride where he managed previously. So yeah, I think if she feels like she has a better opportunity of being a key player at a club like Spurs. Maybe she does what she can with her agent to make it happen. You know? Yeah. So the joint, the joint TikTok account is a good, uh, a good sign for us. Right. Do you, do you know about this? I can't remember the, who she has. She made a joint TikTok. You're, you're asking Caroline if she knows anything about a TikTok account. Caroline is way too good for TikTok. Let's be perfectly honest with ourselves. It's just you and I, Dakota, uh, that that that, that uh, slum it on on the TikTok. I'm gonna Caroline. guess it's Celine because they are think, noted best friends, and I think roommates also. So that would I, make that, sense. That sounds right. That sounds right. All these are good signs, though. So, Grace Clinton, I know you're listening. Please stay. Fair enough. Hey, guys, let's let's close this on a fun one uh, from Milo on Blue Sky. Yes, we are now as a podcast on Blue Sky. You can go follow us there as well. Uh, Milo asked, if Ange came to your house for lunch, what would you cook him and would he enjoy it? Would he, quote unquote, enjoy your lunch? Who wants to start with this one? <laughs> well, I'm glad you delivered the question that way because when I like read it, the connotation did not occur to me. So that's hilarious. Oh, come on. Really? It, didn't, it, it, really, didn't, it really didn't. Um, so great job, Milo. Shout out to Milo. Um, I, I think Ange would want me to just not make too much of a fuss. I feel like he's the kind who'd be like, don't do anything special, you know? So I would just make one of my like everyday pasta dishes and, you know, they're classics for a reason. So he would enjoy the lunch. That, that's great. Uh, I I am a little bit more bougie, and I like to put on for my guests. So uh, I've been making I've been making sourdough bread at home recently. Like I made this with my hands. I'm gonna make some more tomorrow, and I'm surprised at how good it tastes. Um, my wife has told me that it's good. I don't know if she's just trying to protect my ego or if it's actually good. 
Uh, but we all know that children don't lie, and my four-year-old daughter Harper says that it's good. So, would you um, pick Ange up from the airport in your horse and buggy too? Uh, <laughs> I'd send him. Uh, what's the nice Uber? What's the nice Uber? The really expensive one. That's what I would call for him. Dakota, um, what I appreciate is that you know that children's palates are obviously super well refined. So you're, I like that you're taking that uh, that <laughs> that advice to heart as well. Uh, anyway, so I would uh, I would. I would take some some couple. How of does it rank versus mac and cheese? Uh, <laughs> she prefers the mac and cheese, if we're honest. Uh, uh, anyway, I would take couple, I would take uh, some couple old day bread and I would fry it up and I'd make some croutons, give it a Caesar salad, uh, while my from scratch chicken tikka, chicken tikka masala is uh, is finishing because I think I make a pretty good chicken tikka. Well, I want that meal. Fuck Ange. <laughs> <laughs> TC, what do you got? Are you are you uh are you oh, working up something in the kitchen for Ange? Oh yeah, I'm the cook in the house. Like we're on the grill for Ange, and uh, are, you putting, we're, are you putting shrimps on the Bobby? Uh, <laughs> no, God bless it. Absolutely not throwing shrimp on the Barbie. But thanks for that. Uh, I'm throwing steaks uh, on the uh, on the barbecue. There would be a nice salad as well. So I wouldn't spend nearly as much time on the croutons as Dak would. <laughs> Dak is a crouton man. What can we say? No doubt about it. I love Scott, stuff bread, you guys. Scott, you're you're a you're you're. I know you you do some work in the kitchen as well. What what are you making for Ange? I do, man. I I I would like Caroline. I would make my my homemade red sauce. It would simmer all day. Um, you're bringing I, you up know, the gravy for Ange. Respect. Oh yeah, I mean we're 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 cooking the sauce homemade, not the not the noodles. I don't have fucking two days to get ready for this shit, right? But um, you know, I I would also maybe just order Chipotle and just I might do that too. You just you never know what you're uh, feeling. Please, um, please don't do that. Please don't ever do I mean, that to anybody. Golly. Uh, and, and, uh, unless unless the the fine folks at Chipotle would like to sponsor the Tottenham Depot, in which case, and then yeah. No. Well, yeah, you know, was... but but to Chipotle's credit, after after maybe a double training session, it's nice and clean. It pumps you full of calories. Like maybe he's coming clean off clean job real quick. Yeah, dude, I see uh, where you're at. It Still depends know. on what you order. All right, there's some of us who understand how to work our way around the Chipotle order, but I I would most I, people just sort that out by not um not ordering from fucking Chipotle. Oh man, you know what? All I know Again, unless they want to sponsor us. We want to leave all those opportunities <laughs> on the table. The last thing I'll say is that people who don't people who don't like Chipotle are the type of people who just sit and fucking lie to themselves. And that's something who that didn't you gotta grow get up figured out. Mexican food in Iowa, one way or the other. Oh it's dude, Chipotle's not Mexican food. It's not Mexican food. Look Thank at you that. for that's admitting first, that. Please that's stop. The first distinction you have to make. Chipotle is its own food group. Sorry, Karen. If, if Chipotle lies the problem, is good enough good for Weston McKinney, who are we to say no? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Because I live in a place where there's good Mexican food and not whatever you want to call the things that they put in the oh tortilla at Chipotle, Scotty. Goodness me. You know, when I when I'm I lived in Houston. Okay. Go ahead. No, I'm just gonna say when I lived in Houston, I got so tired of people from San Diego talking about Mexican food. Like we get it, dude. <laughs> All right. We understand you're you on though? the border. Do you though? We, I, yeah, I've spent my fair share of, of weeks in San Diego. All right, it's pretty good. 
I'll give you that. Oh, oh. <laughs> it depends on how many margaritas you had. You're going to have to cut this off before there's a schism in the pod. Yeah. All yeah. Of a sudden, I've, just, I've just completely lost it. I'm actually surprised that each one of you, all of your answers were less lunchy to me. They were more like dinner or like last meal mm. of the day to me. I'm going cold cuts. Like Angela's a no mm. bullshit kind of guy. You're also I, from Baltimore. To, man. That shit happened. I'm also I'm also from Baltimore. The wife and I today went to the store. We got some basic lunch meat and made some cold cuts, some lettuce, tomato, like a little bit of little bit of little bit of Swiss, a little bit of turkey. How much mustard was on that sandwich? That's the question. I'm not a I'm not a mustard person, so Thank none. God. Uh, oh. Just just a little just a little bit of little bit of mayo, uh, a little salt and pepper. Nice some old uh, nice bay. Fresh, Keep it moving. Nice, I see you. No, no old bay, but we did have some Utz chips that I had brought back from Maryland. Oh. So. <laughs> Like Ange, I don't think Ange wants the bullshit. He just wants to wash it down with a natty bow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, if only, if only. And Ange, Ange is a basic man. Ange would like a hoagie and some chips and and move it along. Okay, that's that's where we're going with that. And he's not Conte, so he will allow the condiments, which is good. Hell yes, hell yes, (laughs) condiments galore. Uh, guys, we did it. We, as as the five of us here, we've we've managed to talk an hour about basically nothing. Uh, Spurs did not play a game this week, and we still put out the content for the Tottenham Depot listeners. So credit to all of us. Credit to you, the listener, for uh, diving in and making it this far. Uh, we will be back next weekend following the men. They play Saturday against Crystal Palace at home. Uh, and the women, they face Arsenal next week at the Emirates. Uh, that is on Sunday. So we will be back after both of those matches to chat about them and whatever else is going on in Koisland. Uh, you can follow Scott at Scott G. Bird. Follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho. Follow Dakota at Dakota J. Booth. Follow Caroline at CG Stefko. You can follow me at A. Stetka. Follow us at Tottenham Depot on your Twitters, your Instagrams, your threads, your Blue Sky, your TikTok all of the above follow us on youtube as well uh we will talk to you all next week leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice as well until then as always come on you spurs <laughs>